0: affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step by step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth Course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Welcome back to this week's episode and our reviewer of the week is YGBSBJX. It's very official. She says, I'm in my third trimester and was very determined to not study up too much about giving birth just to preserve the mystery and romance and natural process of it, which I kind of love and I haven't really thought of it that way before. Um, She says, then I stumbled upon this podcast and now I can't help but listen to every episode and I'm taking the online birth course. I can't believe all the information I have learned and now I have so, all caps, many questions for my next prenatal appointment. I also feel empowered that although I won't be having a home birth due to my husband's concerns, I know enough to advocate for myself in the hospital and to have the best birth I can try to have. I had no idea how many options, choices, and decisions there are to be made that no one even talks to you about. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love it. Okay, this week's episode, not only are you going to get questions, um, but I wanted to comment really quick about the, the home birth comment there and your husband not being comfortable couple of things. Number one, have him listen to several episodes of this podcast. Number two, make an appointment. They are 100% free and meet with a midwife at a home birth setting, birth center setting, and bring him with you and see how you both feel about it. If it's a no-go, then great. You did your work and you can check it off the list. But if you feel something there and both of you end up being attracted to that kind of care – then you can move on with that and feel really good about it. So that is my advice to you there. Not that you were asking for it or looking for it, but it's not even just for you. I want other moms to hear that as well. So this week, I can't wait for all of you to hear this week's episode. Um, Not only because this topic is near and dear to my heart, because you guys know that I am a VBAC mom myself, but also because I get to interview Megan Heaton, who is with the VBAC Mm -hmm. link. Now, we have a special relationship because I actually took my doula training with Megan. We did this years ago. Yeah. I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a moment. But uh, I know her a little bit. And I I feel blessed because I've gotten to speak with you and uh, talk with you like before everything blew up like you, I remember even in that class and like. I don't mean this in any, like you were like shy and more timid and gentle. And you're like, can I even, should I like really be supporting women when I haven't had a vaginal birth? And I just remember yeah. that. And and now you're like this incredible doula, incredible advocate for all these women. So
1: I don't know. I, I
0: love that I got to watch you kind of w- walk through that and learn and grow with you as a doula. So yes, please take a moment, introduce yourself, tell us a little about you, your family, and then let's dive into today's topic, which is all about VBACs.
1: All about VBAC. Well, thank you. That was so <laughs> sweet of you. And I remember that feeling too when we were in that class. Like There was so much about birth and, and all of the stuff about birth was really new to me because I never had any of that experience. It was more like, it wasn't a scheduled C-section, right? But it was a quick C-section. And so I never really had educated myself about birth. So it was all new. It was very overwhelming. And it was, it was hard for me to be like, how is anyone going to want me to support them when I haven't even done this? But it's been quite the journey, and I'm so grateful. Um, so yeah, so I started my journey in 2014, and the VBAC link was not on my radar. Actually, it was just becoming a doula. So I became a doula and started doing the doula thing and fell in love with it even more than I thought I would ever fall in love with it. Um, and it truly just became my life, right, and my passion. Um, and then I had a repeat cesarean that was undesired and unplanned. And, um, I started feeling more passionate about VBAC in a hole. And um, a friend of mine, another doula colleague of ours um, at the time, she was also passionate about VBAC. And so her and I got together and we co-founded the VBAC link. And she has since moved on to be a doula tag which is a doula photographer. And I'm excited for her journey, but I've been so grateful to be able to stay right here and um, hone in on VBAC and express my love For VBAC to the world. So, the VBAC link in a whole, um, we have a podcast as well. It's called the VBAC link. And VBAC is VBAC for those who might not find it. Sometimes it's people spell it VBACK, but it's VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, And then we also have an education course um, about um, how to advocate, how to learn, how to navigate the VBAC world for both um, birth workers and parents. And one of my biggest drives of this whole thing is not to necessarily talk people into having a VBAC, right? That's A lot of the time they think that I'm just there to talk people into having a VBAC, and that is not the case. It is to help people know their options on both sides of the table, whether a repeat cesarean or a VBAC. And so one of my drives is just to let people know their options, in a whole. I just want everyone to know their options so they can make the best choice for them and their family because sometimes a VBAC isn't going to be the right choice and sometimes a cesarean isn't going to be the right choice uh, or a cesarean is going to be the right choice and then vice versa. Um, so that is what I do. Um, I sense, um, you know, having the VBAC link and a doula company, I've had a VBAC after two cesareans um, and I can kind of relate to your reviewer actually a little bit, because mm-hmm. my husband was really not for the home birth thing. He was like, no, mm-mm, no, <laughs> he was actually not even really for this, the VBAC thing. He's like, I'll support you, but why don't we just go in? In fact, the words he used is, why don't we just go one zip you? That's what he said. And I was like, oh. whoa, that is not <laughs> what I want. Um, and so we educated along the way and he supported me. And um, I did, I, at 24 weeks, I just said, I want to, I want to try this other route. And so we met in the middle and we went home birth or um, birth center versus home birth and hospital. And funnily enough, um, after I had my son, my husband said we would never do it in a, another way. So, but he was in the beginning, super uncomfortable with that. Right. So yeah. I just wanted to say like, I totally relate to that reviewer. I get it, but I do encourage you to as well. Like go in, go interview. Cause you never know what, what's going to feel better.
0: Oh, 100%. So, yeah. My husband I, – I got lucky on that when we decided to do our home birth just because my husband's mm-hmm. mom had given birth at home with one of her children. Uh-huh. So he was kind of like, yeah. okay. But he, okay. by the third birth, realizing he had not been the support that he wanted to be with the first and second, that he thought he would just osmosis, like, I know what to do. It'll be yeah. fine. That third one, both of us were so serious about it and it made a huge difference. Um, I would love Mm -hmm. though, because I have, I've listened to your story on the podcast. I have read your birth story. I remember you posting about it online in one of the, the... the birth groups that we're a part of. Um, I remember mm-hmm. crying, just to like like <laughs> feeling your emotions that you were feeling or like seeing your pictures when you posted them. And I was just so happy for you. And then talking to you about just the craziness of like what you experienced in that birth. So um mm-hmm. this isn't a birth story podcast, but um I, maybe I should have you come back and tell your birth story too at a later time. But yeah. if you wouldn't mind summarizing it, tell us a little bit about that story, like how you got there. you were, that kind of thing. I just, I want other women to hear like, it is so much farther than possible. You don't even know. And this is after two cesareans, which I love.
1: Yeah. 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 So, um, so my first cesarean was again, undesired, unplanned, Honestly, very uneducated. Like, I needed a podcast like this podcast to learn more about how to give birth and how our bodies work and how our bodies are built and all the things and all the options. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. I was young. I was uneducated and I just was going to go in and have a baby. And I went in and I did have a baby. Um, I just had a cesarean and it wasn't something I just, I necessarily wanted. Um, with my second birth, I, stayed with the same doctor, didn't really branch out. Um but at 36 weeks I had a feeling that I should, but then I was like, "Huh, oh, I don't want to cheat on my doctor." Like, you know, he <laughs> It feels <he's>, that way. <laughs> he's taking He's taken care of me this whole time. He says I can have a VBAC. Like, why would I leave? I he knows me, I know him. Whatever. And I wanted to hire a doula and my husband was like, not really on board with the doula thing either. And so I stayed and at 38 weeks, my water broke and um, I unfortunately had my husband shoved in the corner and pinned against me. My doctor uh, filled him with fear tactics and um, it scared him, right? Because he wanted his his wife and baby to be safe. And, um, after a lot of pressure, I, I walked down for a second repeat cesarean. Um, and then with my third, I had since become a doula and learned a lot more about my options, changed care a couple times within that process, actually left a really supportive hospital OB. Um, which everyone said I was crazy for, right? Because <laughs> why would you leave a supportive OB? But my heart was calling me somewhere else and I couldn't deny that the last time I denied it it didn't go the way I wanted it. And I'm not saying that that's because, you know, I didn't change or anything like that, but I needed to follow my heart and know that I was going to do everything. So anyway, I had a, um, a 42 hour labor, um, an OP baby that was very stubborn. I changed to um, a midwife, like I said, at the birth center. And it was a lot of work. I had, um, a doula tribe, I would say, because I was in the doula world. Everyone wanted to be a part of my birth, which I was so grateful to have them. And um, yeah, it was an experience. We had to work really hard and long. And um, I, I can't say it was easy. I can't say, you know, it was a breeze. And I wish I could, but um, I worked hard. And we we followed um, paths and our steps along the path to make sure that I was okay and baby was okay and all was well. And yeah, I will never forget the feeling that, and hearing my my midwife say, Megan, reach down and grab your baby. Hmm. And I was like, what? And she grabbed my hands and guided me down. And I just remember he- feeling a head, like a little squishy head and then sliding my hands down and feeling his shoulders. And she said, pull him up to your chest. I pulled him up and I just, I will never forget. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. Everyone hmm. was just crying and I was screaming, I did it. And maybe I was maybe saying something to my doctor. I had a little message to my doctor that I needed to get out in the atmosphere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it was just such a joyous moment. And I think too, um, it, it even lifted me up even more to help people know their options after multiple cesarean, because there's very little research out there, especially after three, because it's not really happening. But it is possible. And, um, you know, there are risks to some extent on both sides. And so you just have to decide what risks are comfortable for you. But yeah, it was a joyous moment and one I will cherish forever.
0: I love that. And back to your point, like, like you had said, you know, this isn't about making or or forcing someone to decide or even convincing them that like VBAC is the right thing for them. And I feel like you and Mm -hmm. I stand on the same pedestals for this or or not pedestals, but like soapboxes, like this is what we preach. Mm -hmm. I don't care which way you give birth. I care that you have the information, all the facts, and so that you get to decide so that you're in charge of that. So I know for myself, it was the same thing with like bringing things home, having that support, like the way that you explained like this provider and how he treated you versus how you were treated and it matters mm-hmm. for the how you, like, become a mother, how you step into that role. It matters for, like, future mm-hmm. pregnancies. It matters for trauma. Like, it, it all of that. Mm-hmm. Even your relationship with your husband, for Pete's sake. Like, that can – it can be <sighs> yes. really challenging. So I love that you shared all of that. And I love that you're here standing like, yes, it there are risks involved both mm-hmm. ways. Like, there are risks to repeat cesareans. Yes. And there are risks yes, to feedback. You are. choose your risk. You get to choose that. So – you're
1: awesome. Yes. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I would love to share your story or or my story. It's it's fun. Like it's a fun story. It's a long story, yeah. but it's a fun story <laughs> and it it definitely molded me even more. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Okay. Totally. Because I don't know about you. Like, okay, granted, I had all three of my babies before I started doing things like birth work, but those mm-hmm. experience, it, it like solidifies it for you. It's like, yes, I am called to this work. Yes. If I can do this, so can you, it's, it's solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. so thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah. I, you yeah. kind of touched on it and I would love for you to share like, what are the benefits of vbac versus cesarean or maybe even want to touch on some of what are the risks in regards to one versus the other or what is most what's the biggest concern here affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Dockatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to VBAC, or um, you also might hear Um, a reference called TOLAC, which is trial of labor after cesarean. Um, Medical providers, they will consider a person with a previous cesarean a TOLAC until they have a vaginal birth. Hmm. So if you ever, if your listeners ever hear that, TOLAC, VBAC, in my opinion, in my headspace, I was a VBAC. I was never a TOLAC after two cesareans, right? right? Like (laughs) I was... I was a VBAC. And so you kind of have to decipher there and just, I'm going to go, I'm going to back, I'm going to do this. But, um, so there, yeah, the risks or the biggest concern I should say when it comes to TOLAC or VBAC, um, is uterine rupture. So when you hear the word rupture, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. When you think about your uterus rupturing, it's like, No. I will just not do that. Um, But the risks are crazy low, actually. Now, I don't want to discredit that. It doesn't, it does happen, right? And if you're someone that it's happened to, it might as well be 100%. Right. Because that tiny little percent was you, right? But I want to reiterate, like, it does happen, but it is very, Small of a chance. Like 0.2 to 1.5%. And like the 1.5% is like after two cesareans, like over here. And 0.2%, right, after one. So if you look at that 0 to 1.5 and and even lower on some studies, it's quite low. Like we have a higher risk of getting in a car accident and dying every day than we do have having our uterus rupture.
0: Well, and what I think so, is important with that, and I'd love for you to touch on it, is there's also a risk of rupture without having a cesarean,
1: right? There <laughs> like, is. Yes. There is risk of having a rupture without having a cesarean. That is true. And that's really small. Actually, I'm trying to remember, like, it's like, or something like that right percent so it's still very minimal right but there's still a risk we just never talk about it right and sometimes sometimes the these uterine ruptures that are happening are actually happening as a cesarean is being performed so it's not necessarily we just go into labor and have a uterine rupture it's we are in the cesarean And that's when it happens. There's a lot of pressure as we're having a cesarean and it, and it can happen there. So we don't, and I don't even know if there's anything out there showing like, if it breaks it down on where that, those ruptures have happened in that labor. Um, but it can happen during a cesarean as well. Hmm. So it's so hard, but, um, That's the biggest one that's talked about. And we have had like on my podcast, it's a birth story podcast. So we have a lot of VBAC cesarean stories, right? And like one of our listeners wrote in and she was like, my doctor told me I had a 60% chance of uterine rupture after one. 60% chance. And she was like, so I didn't do it. And I've now had four cesareans and I'm learning all this information and I'm mind blown. And she's like, and I'm devastated. Do I have a chance to be back after four cesarean? And that breaks my heart because she's not alone. No. She's, not alone. Yeah. she's not alone. She's not she's, alone. She's one of the very many that are being told you have a very high chance of rupture. And then it's not discussed. So we don't talk about the risks of cesarean. In cesarean, we have risks of um, blood transfusions and extreme blood loss. It's a major surgery. We have risks of hysterectomy, just like we do if we have risks in a VBAC or, so VBAC and cesarean, they both have risks of hysterectomy. Um, and maybe I should actually provide that, um, breakdown for your listeners as well, because it's kind of crazy when you look at it. Um, so yeah, there are, there are major risks. Um, there are risks for cesarean. Um, of nicking a bladder so when they are performing the cesarean they have to use the scalpel to cut through and then they have to get to the baby right and there is a risk of your bladder being nicked and having bladder issues forever but we don't talk about that right um and you know with vaginal birth we have incontinence issues and i mean it's not all sunshine and butterflies on both sides but um yeah there's risk there's also risk of baby being cut and nicked. yeah Right. Um. And that, that's an issue too. And, and that's a concern as well. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely risks on both sides. You just have to, I encourage anyone who is wanting to be back to break it down and decide what risks are acceptable for you. Yes. For you as, as a whole, as, as an individual and your family, like you might want to discuss that with your your partner. Um but yeah, like what's acceptable for you? Because if 0.5% or 0.2% is not acceptable, that's okay. That's okay. But if you see 0.2, 0.5, 1.5, you're you're like, "Okay, I'm okay, I'm comfortable with that." Then go right. for it. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. yeah, I like that. Um you kind of touched on it actually. I'm I'm curious if you can go over Because I want to talk to you about calculator in a moment (laughs) when you're
1: talking about percentages. Talk about soapboxes. Yes.
0: Um, (laughs) Talk to me about how providers determine not only your risk, but if you're a good candidate. Um, And I want to go over a couple different topics, but leading to that terrible calculator.
1: <laughs> oh, the calculator. I cannot even believe that it ever became a thing yeah. still to this day. Yeah. It, it drives me nuts. They have made adjustments since creating it, which I'm grateful for. Um, and it was in the race department. So crazy enough, I'm going to go back. But Crazy enough, if you selected a certain race, it dramatically lowered your chances on that calculator, which drove me nuts. Yeah. So um, are you a good candidate? That's such a good question. Um, there are definitely different things that may disqualify you in having uh, a VBAC. And um, those are rare. And again, there are some grays in there because some providers may say, well, your last birth, you didn't dilate past a four after many hours, and so your body just doesn't know how to do it. So you're not a real good candidate. So if that is something you're being told, I just want to say run from that provider. <laughs> because that provider does not know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um just because your body didn't dilate one time doesn't mean doesn't mean it's not going to dilate the other. And honestly there was a reason why it wasn't dilating more than likely that first time. Um so they may bring up your past experience. So past experiences that um will maybe disqualify you with some providers, but I'm going to just say isn't a disqualifier. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No,
0: that's really important. Um, Yes.
1: Are things like failure to progress, meaning your cervix didn't dilate, you stopped progressing, failure to descend where your baby was coming down and just didn't make its full way out um, of the pelvis, big babies. Mm. So if you, some people naturally grow big babies, like big babies, bigger babies. That may be something a provider will disqualify you um, as being a candidate, but it's not really a disqualifier. Um, Crazy enough, like 9% of cesareans that happen are suspect due to suspected big babies. Yep. So like 1.6 or 1.7 of them are actually larger than like nine pounds, like 89 pounds. So just to say like... Well, I talk a lot about
0: ultrasounds, too, because it's suspected oh, big yes. baby, like you're saying, you know, or even women yes. who have hypertension or um, preeclampsia, mm-hmm. like that doesn't necessarily yep. mean you're going to have a big baby or that you can't right. birth or that baby. Or gestational
1: diabetes. Yeah. Yes. Like these things. Yeah, they they don't. Yeah, exactly. They don't necessarily mean that. Um, so some of the big things that a provider right away is going to look at is the history. What why did you have that cesarean? Um, second of all, they're going to look at BMI overall health. So, and they're going to consider you a candidate there as well. Um, I had a podcast from a woman in Australia who has a large, a high BMI and this stuff that she went through was pretty crazy. Like plus size women are still able to have a vaginal birth, but you may be disqualified from a provider standpoint if you have a high BMI. Um, So if um, you've had a prior prior vaginal birth before, you're going to be a higher candidate on their list than if you have had no vaginal births. If you've made it to 10 centimeters, you're going to be higher candidate. But again, if that reason was failure um, to descend, meaning a baby come, then they might knock you down a little bit. Um, A breech baby, a past um, cesarean due to a breech baby, um, they will say, okay, you're a good candidate. Like there was no real reason that our body didn't work. It was just, you had a breech baby. So yeah, you're a candidate for a VBAC. So, um, they'll consider you a good candidate for that. Um, non-good candidates or less ideal candidates will be people, um, who have placenta previa or accretus. So those Mm -hmm. are, those are serious issues. Um, That where that, you know, we've got um, placental issues that may be reason for a cesarean. And sometimes um, the cervix can be covered by a placenta in the beginning It's too close, but then through pregnancy, it grows up and we're good. Um, So you may just need an extra clearance in the end, but that could be a reason why. Another concern, and it's rare again, but if there is something wrong with baby, like there's a health concern with baby, um, where it may cause too much stress or pressure um, on the baby coming out vaginally, and some of those more, it sounds extreme, but it happens is where maybe organs are being on, they're on the outside of the baby, or we've got um, some serious health issues with them, or same thing with mom. Um, we had a woman that had fallen off of a horse and completely shattered her pelvis and oh had all goodness. these things. And so she wasn't necessarily a good candidate <laughs> for a vaginal birth. Shattered and pelvis? it's the, fine. They'll have more room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, wait, you have no purpose. So she had like serious bars and screw it was crazy. And so you may not be a candidate for something like that. Right. Um So, yeah, I mean, again, like there's some gray in there where they may say, oh, you're not really a good candidate, but that doesn't mean you are for sure not. And that, you know, we go yeah. to that VBAC calculator that was created and it's like, what was the reason for your cesarean? How old are you? What's your race? Although they dropped that, um, you know, all of these things, have you had a previous vaginal delivery? Um, and that is, gives, that gives you a percentage of your likelihood of actually giving birth vaginally. Um, you know, we, um, Julie, my old partner, she had a mom that had a 4% chance. On her VBAC calculator. And there's a lot of people that will take that 4% chance and say, I don't have a chance. Right. Like I'm not going to do it. But this client of hers went on to have a beautiful VBAC and with no complications after her provider gave her a 4% chance. So did she go on with uh, that,
0: with the provider that gave her the 4% chance and still had a VBAC with that provider?
1: I believe that she did and, um, I believe she did. And she had to fight. I remember the the story of like, she had to really stand up for herself. That's why she hired Julie, um, and you know, all these things. So I'm pretty sure that's why she hired you, like got a doula and everything.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, she totally went on and had a beautiful birth. And so this is just my reminder is no one knows you like, you know, you yes. tune into your intuition, tune into your heart and see what that is telling you, yes. and follow that. And I will guarantee you, 100%, I can say I guarantee you, a link on the internet titled the <laughs> VBAC calculator does not know you right? and will not tell you what is actually going to happen. So, um yeah. So, like I said, there's some reasons why you may be saying that you're – said that you're not a candidate, and then that there are some that you just – it increases your chance of being a candidate because you've had certain things.
0: Yeah. And that's this whole VBAC calculator conversation, which could truly be an entire podcast of just us being really mad about it. But the thing, the thing that upsets me about it too, is if you're, or something I want to make mention of, like if you're with a provider that's using this, for me, that's a red flag right there. I'm like, if you were going to plug stuff in, because that puts it in their head, whether or not I'm going to feel affected by that, which it's also going to put certain things, conversations happening in my head. If that provider is going off of that, whether or not they say, eh, it puts you at this percentage, but it's probably fine. That's in their head. And why are they using it then? Because there are providers that Mm -hmm. don't use it, that wait and watch and listen to your body and trust the process. And so I say if somebody's somebody's using a VBAC calculator on you, that's my run. Like you don't, you don't have to be there with that person while they're using it. You can choose a different provider. I hate the VBAC calculator with a passion. So I, yeah, you're Me right. Too. No, but <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> there's no way to like say based there's off of your checklist. No yes. That my vagina there's is going to no I mean, even people who don't have VBACs, like pregnancy to pregnancy, birth to birth are completely different.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. I know. And, and same thing. I don't want to like fill this with negativity or like disgust <laughs> upon something. But yeah. if there was something I was very passionate about and very negative about, it would be that. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: would be that. <laughs> ignore the VBAC calculator. If your provider ignore has given it. this to you, ignore it. Ignore it. Possibly ignore it. interview yes. a new provider. Um, and, okay. And ask
1: them. Say, can we do the VBAC calculator on you? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see your percentage. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, I want to talk about just for a moment, because this is something that comes up fairly regularly. And I actually just, I had a girl message the other day about it, questioning. Um, In this yeah. particular case, she got pregnant six months out. So like, I know one of the things yeah. that like providers want is they want 18 to 24 months in between babies, yes. like, or in between you getting pregnant um, uh-huh. in order to have a quote unquote successful VBAC. But I want to talk about that because it says who? I just, I'm like, the the body is incredible. And to tell somebody in her case, Mm -hmm. they were telling her, um, it puts you like, I can be as your midwife. I can meet with you during this time, but you'll have to deliver with an OB. Like, what does that do to a woman and why? For what purpose? So will you talk about that for a moment? Yes.
1: Yeah. So this is probably, if I went through our inbox, it, it would probably be right there at the top. Mm. Um, of one of the most common questions um, that we get is, oh, how long do I have to wait? Or am I really going to um, have to have a C-section if I get pregnant before six months or after, you know, just at six months? So the hardest thing is there are a lot of studies out there, but they're not that big and solid. And so, um, there's one study that shows that from six months at six months is like your max cap, like duration of healing. Like you're not necessarily going to like get any stronger at Mm. that point. Like your body has healed. And so they're saying like, you're fine at six months on, you're fine. And then there are some studies that show like you're, you have a significant more, um, a significant higher chance of rupture if you do, get pregnant between six and 18 months. And you, you know, you get pregnant in that earlier window. And so I don't necessarily believe that like, if you got pregnant eight months after you had your baby, you're going to rupture 40%. Like, I don't necessarily believe that. Because like you said, like our bodies are amazing. They heal, like they know what to do, yeah. right? So, but some studies may show that you may increase slightly if you get pregnant before that 18 to 24 month mark. Um, so most providers will say 18 to 24 months, that is it. Do not get pregnant. It's serious, it's serious, it's serious. But we know so many people that do. Like Julie, my old partner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like Julie, my old partner, she, all of her kids are so close, like you, right? Like, like there is proof out there yeah. that that it is possible, that it is done. Um. So yeah, the, The chances may increase slightly earlier on before your body has had time to heal, but that does not disqualify you. Um, There, I have spoken to a midwife. I cannot, I'm actually going to bring her on. She's amazing. And she talks about um, how they had a previous cesarean patient who went on to have a, a baby. I think it was like three or so months after like she got pregnant again, like three months after baby, like really quickly. Right. Yeah. And she went in and she did have a repeat cesarean and, and her body didn't look like it had a repeat cesarean or had a, re- a cesarean in general. How interesting. Like there was not. Yeah. Right. And so, um, she talked to, she talks a lot about, um, nutrition and how, after we have our baby, like if we can need to focus on nutrition and fuel our body, let our body heal, like give it the aid and the tools that it needs to properly heal. Yes. So, um, if I'm just going to say out there, like if you are wanting your babies closer and you have a cesarean, um, do some research for sure. And I can provide you with some studies for your show notes if you'd like, yeah. um, for the, the length, but focus on healing your body. Good nutrition, good hydration, giving back to your body and following your heart again. Yes. Sleep. (laughs) Sleep is so big. And I know it's so hard after we have a baby, but. But you must find time for it. You must find time. And if that means hiring a postpartum doula, or if that means having mom come in, you know, and helping like do it for sure. Take advantage of any time you can to sleep and get good nutrition. But yeah. Yeah. So that would be what I would say is some studies show you may have a slight increased risk before 18 months. But again, it's not substantial and you have to decide if that is substantial enough for you or if you're willing to take any of that that risk.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I would kind of want to move into because we're talking about how to decrease risk here, like your provider is kind of on the top of that list. And I I always say it's a hard, like, I feel like they're tied, like the provider that you pick and the education and training and knowledge that you give yourself to prepare for that birth are kind of like, it's a chicken egg situation. Cause if you have a great provider, but you don't have, you know, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about though, And what you've seen personally, because I know that you've attended home birth and hospital birth, Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. there are risks associated to both. So I'm curious to know what you think about difference in I'm having a VBAC. My goal is to have um, a VBAC. It doesn't necessarily have to be unmedicated. But Mm -hmm. what does that look like, hospital versus birth center? What are your thoughts around the different locations and providers that you can have?
1: Yeah, so let's first touch on provider in general because just like you said, it's a chicken egg situation where if you go in with no knowledge and you have a provider that is just there doing their job, like you may or may not have the best outcome. Yeah, you just may or may not. But when you're wanting to go in and have a VBAC, if you're in the hospital specifically, um, you need to make sure that that provider is in line with you. And so interviewing them, first of all, and this goes for out of hospital too, but um, in hospital, you need to make sure that you talk with them and have really open answered questions. Things like, if my body is not progressing, what will you do to help me?
0: There's the egg, right?
1: (laughs) Because it's like, how do you know
0: if you don't know what questions to ask?
1: (laughs) Exactly. There's the egg. And then we have a provider over here that says, "Oh, well there's nothing. There's nothing we can do. We aren't allowed to give you pitocin. We aren't allowed to do anything like that means cesarean." Okay. Well, <laughs> what if we have a question a provider that says, "Well, we would just just kind of go over it and we'd look and see what our pros and cons are. Maybe we start a little low dose pit. Maybe we can explore breaking your water if your water's not broken. We can do nipple stimulation. We can bring a pump into the room, those types of things, right? And a provider that's going to support you. Now, this is where sometimes, and I don't want to... Say that I'm talking bad about one or the other, but this is a lot of the times where that is where it's going to be a strict line where they decipher hospital, home. Right. Because they're not always going to say, oh, we'll bring in a pump and you can start with pumping. <laughs> right. And then if that doesn't work, we can try some positions and then we can do pit and then we get, you know, it's not always the case in the hospital. A lot of the times in the hospital, it's, we got to get this baby out. We got to have this baby. And we're going to do all these things to make this progress. Um, so we need providers that are going to trust. Trust us. They have to trust us. Because if a provider doesn't trust you, that's a problem. Because yeah. you're going to be fighting the whole time that you are in this birth. Um, a provider that trusts birth. Because there are providers out there that do not trust birth. And there are midwives out there. I will say this. There are midwives out there. We call them medwives. <laughs> they don't trust birth either. And they feel the need to intervene a lot as well. Yeah. And so we got to find these providers that trust us, trust birth, and are collaborative with us and not against us. Um, and, you know, sometimes in the hospital, it is hard. It is hard because we're navigating through a lot of different people. We've got nurse changes, we've got provider changes even because, you know, they work hourly shifts. There's a lot going on and that can really throw us off as well um, as birthers because it's changing up our space. And sometimes a, a space change can be wonderful and sometimes it can be detrimental for us because it pulls us out and we can't get back in. Right. Um, when we talk about home birth... Um, you know, I feel like home birth is a lot slower as in a sense of like, not like 12 hours to 14 hours necessarily, meaning like slower paced, a lot less pressure, a lot calmer, a lot more mom's leading. We're here following and supporting. Right. Um, And so that can happen um, more at home than it can in the hospital. Like, Over the years, I've been doing this for a very long time. Over the years, I have, I will be super honest. I have struggled seeing the system treat people the way they treat them. Okay. And again, I'm not against hospital birth. I mean, 95% of our clients are at hospitals, but sometimes I hate the fight that they have to fight. Yeah. So you really want to make sure that you're educated and you have that supporter, supportive provider that's going to back you and truly support you. And, You know, I mentioned in the beginning, I changed from a supportive provider. But why? Why would I change from a supportive provider, right? But in the end, I felt that my provider was going to be trumped by hospital policy. Yeah. So I want to point out that even if you have a supportive provider, it's really important to learn the hospital policies on top of that because their hands can sometimes be tied. Yeah. And it's not that they don't want to help you. It's not that they don't desire that. It's that they can't because they're liable and they have insurance issues. You know, they have all these things that we don't see. They're under this umbrella as well. So um, if you have a history of long labors, if you have a history of failure to progress, if you have these histories, you may want to explore a home birth or a birth center birth where you have more time, where you have more leniency and, um, midwives at home, like they can use things, they can use pumps. They have homeopathics. there's things that they can do to help you. You don't have to have something administered into your IV. Yeah. So I don't necessarily know if I answered that exactly the way you asked it, <laughs> That's great. but, um, but yeah, like there, there are going to be red flags to watch out for um, for both. And same thing with, you know, as you're preparing for birth and general, but for VBAC at home, like you do want to also make sure that you have a qualified provider there too. Right. Right. Because we mentioned there are risks to VBAC as well. So you want someone that knows the risks of, of VBAC, that knows the signs of uterine rupture, that knows how to get labor progressing if it's not progressing. Um, so you want to, you want to make sure that you have that good provider as well.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I've I've certainly shared it here before, but I would have been the classic with that third birth. I would have had a cesarean if I were in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Not only was the hospital in my area not supportive already, even though I had had a VBAC while we were overseas mm-hmm. in Germany, but I came and they were like, oh, we don't really care about the VBAC. You've had a cesarean before. So just plan for another cesarean. And I remember yeah. thinking like, you out of your dang mind. Like I know, (laughs) I know it's safer. I know my body can do it. Like there's no way. And then my labor, like Mm -hmm. I have prodromal labor for like a week. And then my labor, like my contractions were never closer than about six minutes apart that entire birth, wow. which was new for me too. But do that in a hospital yeah. setting. Before I hit transition, I took a 45 minute nap and I had two contractions. Do that in a hospital setting. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I pushed for four and a half hours. Like mm-hmm. everything would have said, She, she, something's wrong. Her body's not working. Let's get in there. And instead I had people that were like, you're doing fine. Can I get you a drink of water? Do you, you know, like, yeah, you're safe. It's okay. And then sure enough, I birthed my baby, you know? So yeah, it makes a huge difference.
1: Same. I, I do believe that I would have had a, a repeat cesarean with my third. I do believe that yeah. Um, wholeheartedly. And I, I don't, again, it kind of comes down to, I don't know if my provider would have been the reason why more as the policy of the hospital. I mean, my, my water was broken for over 36 hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and know, you can look at that and you're it, like, oh yeah, for sure. Somebody would have called it. Yeah.
1: Safety. Yeah. Well, and I was, uh, yeah. And I was like four centimeters forever. And then I was six centimeters for a long time and six centimeters active labor, right. And water's broken. So they would have said, oh, failure to progress. Like I would have been, um, deemed or labeled as failure to progress. And they would have had evidence based to prove it. Sure.
0: Yeah. All the you know, things against you based nope. care. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. It's so hard, but you have to kind of do you have to follow your own heart. But um there's definitely a difference in, and I do tend to see um some cesareans okay, I don't tend. I do see um cesareans that were completely unnecessary in the yeah. hospital and that I do believe would have gone vaginal um in, in home.
0: Yeah, I too. And that's the hard part of being a doula and not the provider um you ha- you're not in a position to really take over and take care of anything it's why it's we so can't. important to like we train up those moms and stuff but the truth is once you're in there like this is what you have to deal with and we have to yeah. we take a back seat like we're there to advocate or help you advocate we're there to help yes. support we're there to do all that stuff but in the end you've yep. got to set up that birth team just so good for yourself um, yeah. well, thank you, Megan. This is awesome. I, before you go, I do want everybody to know where they can find you, um, where like moms can access you for more information on VBAC or if they have personal questions that they want to send to you or how to connect with you on social media. Um, but two, Megan is really awesome. And she is going to give us a downloadable PDF cheat sheet for you guys. So I'll let her talk about that. So mention all of your things before we jump off, yes. but I just want to thank you for your time. This has been excellent.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I feel like this is a topic. I mean, we could do like part two, three, four, five, yeah, right. probably. <laughs> there are so many things out there, so many questions. Um, so yeah. So one of, um, what we were talking about, one of the biggest things that you can do to up your chances of, of having a vaginal birth after cesarean is finding that supportive provider. And sometimes it's hard to know what to ask and what to look for. When I was looking, um, for, um, my second, I was interviewing providers and I was asking things like, do you support VBAC? Mm. Do you have patients that have VBACs? Are you cool with VBAC? Right. Like those types of things, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like sure. Like, yeah. I mean, those were the answers. Right. Um, and I stu- soon realized as interviewing with my third, um, which I, I seriously interviewed 12 providers, like it was kind oh, of I crazy. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I started interviewing before I even got pregnant. Um, but there are serious questions that you could ask that can change their answer and help, you know, if they're really supportive or not. Um, and so I want to provide that to you guys, a list, a cheat sheet of, um, questions, and then let's do, um, a checklist of, is your supportive you know, your provider support of some red flags, like a red flag cheat sheet. Um, because I will say this, sometimes they answer all the questions correctly, mm-hmm. all of them. And they're perfect. And you're like, yes, I found my provider all as well in the world. And then at 36 weeks, they're like, hey, let's do that third trimester ultrasound. And you're like, whoa, what? Oh, your baby's looking big. We might want to schedule a repeat cesarean, right? And sometimes it's not even a repeat cesarean. It's a first cesarean. Sometimes this is like a first-time mom. Oh, your baby's looking big. Let's do this, you know? And so we have, again, we have cesareans due to suspected big babies. So I want to provide that for you guys. So whether you're not a first-time mom, a second-time mom, a third-time mom, a VBAC mom, whatever, then you can take those and help find your provider, um, your supportive provider for you, because it is so important no matter what type of birth you're wanting. That's awesome. So-
0: Okay. And then sad. tell everybody where they can find you. I want to give them all the links.
1: And these will be yes. for you guys that
0: are listening, the downloadable PDF and all the links that she's going to mention. There'll be an op- Apple podcast. If you just scroll down, you can click on any of those. But if you go to myessentialbirth.com forward slash podcast, this will be the the episode for this week and you can click on it and all the links are at the bottom
1: perfect um yeah so we're I'm, I'm everywhere um just like you i'm sure um <laughs> facebook the vback link community or the vback link and we have a private group on there called the vback link community where it's people um with like my desires wanted to learn more about vback and find a community in their area um or even someone who can relate to them and had you know previous situations um instagram the vback link just T H E V B A C link. Um we're on Pinterest, YouTube, there's videos on YouTube, um, TikTok, the VBack link, um, and then the podcast is the VBack link and perfect um, all our the website, places. Yep, and our website is the vbacklink.com. So if you search the V link. You should be able to find us. Find it's them. pretty, <laughs> yes. The only thing that's different is uh, the VBAC link community on Facebook. And I want to mention too, for our cesarean birth moms, uh, we also have a C back link community where you had a cesarean birth after cesarean, whether it be planned or not planned. Um, we have a support group for that as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even know you guys had that. That's very cool.
1: Yeah. Very yeah.
0: cool. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for your expertise. I'm grateful for your friendship, for your incredible birth story, for you serving my community, all the things. And I hope we can do this again soon. Yes, let's do it. Thank you. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.